welcome to our online family today. Uh, you are very much part, though you're not in the room right now, very much part of what's happening here. And I'm believing that God's word is going to go down through the camera into your onto your screen and into your heart. And I'd love us just to take a moment to pray and really ask God to breathe on his word this morning. Father, we thank you that your word is truth. Lord, nothing can hold back your truth. There are lies that swirl all around us, but your truth will prevail. God, you know my heart today. Lord, in the frailty of what you've given me to work with, Lord, my desire is not to preach a sermon, but to impart truth that'll bring transformation. Holy Spirit, I need you right now to breathe on your word, cause faith to rise in the hearts of every person who is listening, that, that change and transformation might occur in all of us. We commit this to you now. What a privilege it is to come and join together to worship you for who you are. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Also, a big shout out to our City Hub. Uh, I was chatting to Grace and Leighton yesterday. Man, what a great couple they are. And, uh, you know, Sydney can complain about lockdown. And yes, it is a bit scary in some ways. Uh, but Grace's family are from uh, Indonesia. And in fact, Indonesia and all the developing world, um, my goodness, some of the, the, some of the stuff that's happening over there is absolutely crazy. I love Indonesia. I've been to Indonesia over 40 times. Um, uh, in fact, as I was talking to uh, Grayson Layton yesterday on the phone, uh, I, I recalled a time about just over 15 years ago. Some of you recall this. It was, it was the day after Christmas, about 8 a.m. in the morning, and a, a tsunami of monumental proportions hit the north uh, coast of Sumatra. Uh, the waves were something like... Uh, uh, 35 meters high. Uh, the 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 wave travelled. I was going to say like a freight train, but like a like a jumbo jet. It was about 800 kilometers an hour that it that it scooted across the ocean, and absolutely devastated uh, Bandarache. I think the the, uh, the 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 value, or sorry, the, the the financial cost was something in the vicinity of 20 billion dollars, and more tragically, 230 precious Indonesians and a bunch of, of, of people uh, lost their lives on that day. We, as, as you have done, we, we were kind of a bit incredulous, just gobsmacked, can't believe this has happened, uh, whilst I was pastoring what is now Horizon Church. And we thought, well, we've got to do something, given our connection to Indonesia. So we took ourselves over there about a month after. Uh, horribly and tragically, I was still pulling bodies out of buildings um, so we were on the ground there just to do whatever we could. Uh, whilst we were there, we stayed on the first floor, walking up the stairs only, of one of the only kind of usable hotels. Still cracks in the wall, which was a bit sketchy. I didn't tell you that at the time, uh, honey. But, uh, and they were having aftershocks. So we're sitting there just chatting with the team that were with us, and an aftershock happened. So we bolted out the door, down the stairs, and we thought there's no way we're going into that building over the next uh, couple of hours, so let's get something to eat. Well, that was easier said than done. There was only one real restaurant, Al Fresco, which meant it was outside on laminated tables. I think we had a fish dish, we ordered it. Before we even got the order, there was a screaming, marauding crowd 
that came through the streets, like thousands of people. And they were shouting something in Bahasa Indonesian, which I, my, my friend and interpreter said they're yelling tsunami. And so we, the, the, we joined the pandemonium, got to our vehicle. It was facing the wrong way. It was a four-wheel drive. And we started to inch out of town to higher ground. That was happening for 15 minutes. And I, I swear, well, I don't swear, but I, I, this is, I looked out the back of the window of the four-wheel drive from my front seat, passenger side, half expecting a 30-metre wall of water to engulf the vehicle. My... My fear and panic was in overdrive. I was just at a heightened sense of freaking out as we inched out of the town and we were now on reasonably high ground. The police started to come back the other way, uh, again speaking in Bahasa Indonesian, indicating that it was a false alarm. My amygdala, or the, the fright and flight part of my brain, was dampened down by my frontal lobe cortex, which actually brought some rationality and we were all able to just sigh in relief. Here's the thing, COVID is not just a physical disease. COVID is carrying two viruses, a virus for the body and a virus for the soul. There are two contagions. I don't even know which one is of greater devastation. Right now, all of us have in some ways been infused with the virus of the soul, the soul virus called COVID. You know, when babies are born, they have two fears. That's all, just two fears. One is, poo, the fear of loud noises. Oh, that'll, get, that'll get a dog barks and a baby will be alerted. Or if, you, if a baby's falling, that's the other fear that a baby has. They did a study with 500 adults. And, and, and as they assessed them, it was a fear study. Corporately, those 500 adults had tabulated something in the vicinity of 7,000 different fears. Like that wasn't one person. It wouldn't have been very comfortable if that was one person. But corporately. So here's the deal. Sometime between being a baby and being an adult, we as adults have corporately amassed 6,998 fears, which is the title of my message today. We're looking for a vaccine. The vaccine is being rolled out. Some would say too slow. Some would say we need to get it. Some would say don't get it. But, but, but I want to talk to you today about some antidotes to this fear pandemic that's happening around the world. And make no mistake, you know, there's many different types of fears. Um, there's the fear of closed spaces, the fear of open spaces, the fear of flying, the fear of spiders. Some of my American friends think that we have spiders, deadly ones crawling up our walls. Fear of snakes, fear of crocodiles, fear of shut. You know, some of the the, the, the worst fears are the fear of man, the fear of failure, the fear of the future. And ultimately, the greatest fear is, is really the fear of death. Man was not designed to be a fear carrier. Our soul was designed 
to be a propagator, receiver and propagator of faith. That's how we're designed. And it's interesting, it's only when, we read this in the book of Genesis, it's only when man disobeyed God in in Genesis 3 verse 10, it said that when they disobeyed God, there was separation. And and Adam says, "I I heard your voice, I hid myself because I was afraid. Fear entered right then on the back end of separation from God, which really is the origin. You think about it. If we don't understand how good God is, then circumstances happen and we have no real confidence that things are going to work out well. Make sense? Make sense online? <laughs> it, it, it's, it's an incredible thing. Many of us say that we trust God. Many of us say that we understand God's grace and righteousness, His peace and joy, but actually we live quite the contrary to that. Every single, come with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans, I think, I think the verse will be on the screen behind me or on the screen uh, online. I love this because it really articulates where the ultimate fear actually came from. And, and we read that really in, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 10. Here's what it says, verse 17, Paul writing to the Romans. For if by the one man's offence death reigned through that one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace, the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Christ Jesus. If death ended through one, that was Adam, uh, then, then in a sense we all die. We're all subject to that spirit of death, the ultimate fear. If that's the case then we understand that Jesus came in and brought the antidote to the ultimate fear, which is the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Our first antidote is indeed the abundance of God's grace. You know, for many years, if you asked me, did I understand God's grace? Really? Please. I'm a pastor. I would have, I would have, probably, uh, probably discreetly said, yeah, yeah, I got that, I got that. But I got a confession to make for probably decades, even as a pastor, I feel like I had a half-baked understanding of God's grace. Have you ever heard someone say this? Like, I believe the grace of God, I do, but you've got to still teach the truth. Anyone ever heard that? Ever heard that online? Somehow that, that, that grace and truth oppose each other. Now, someone with a Roman Catholic background like I had, um, where, where, where the sacraments, where good works uh, were very much part of, kind of enwrapped in, 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 in the whole kind of salvation plan, those, that works mentality dies hard. It's like, yeah, I know God's been good. I know God's got a whole lot of stuff, but surely there must be something that I have to do. Was kind of my unspoken mantra. Oh, come on, don't look at me so holy. Come on, heads bowed, eyes closed. Anyone ever had a modicum of that kind of mentality that from time to time has knocked on the door? Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. A couple of honest ones around the place. It's amazing, you know. And yet if we go to John's gospel and we read what John says 
in John chapter 1 and verse 14. It says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It says, We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Drop down to verse 17. Here's what it says. It says, For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth, though, came through Jesus Christ. Okay, let me, let me give you this. So, so my mistake was, though I would have claimed to have a good conviction of, of God's abundant grace, my, 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 my kind of the underlying and undermining of that grace was, yeah, I believe the grace of God. Jesus died for my sins so that I could be forgiven. Ah, but, but the truth is really important. I better obey God's truth. Where in reality, that's not what John's saying. John's saying grace and truth are the one thing. They come in the one package. In fact, if you go to the verse 17 there, it says grace and truth came through Jesus. The word, the verb there came, getting a bit techo with you here, but the word came is demanding a single subject. So grace is truth and truth is grace. And then juxtaposed to that, grace and truth, the Bible says that Moses bought the law. So grace and truth oppose the law. Understanding that, I believe, is a really important antidote to fear. See, when you understand God's grace, if I had a coffee cup here, uh, I would say this is not what contains God's grace. God's grace is an ocean. When you have a revelation of that, Oh my gosh, how powerful is that? So when fears knock on the door, when panic starts to set in, when uncertainty about your finances or, your, or, or, or that son or daughter that's wayward right now, or even your marriage or even your mental health, when they start to kick in and you have an understanding and you can breathe out and go, oh, oh God, your grace is so, so abundant. It's almost like you give a little pause to allow God's truth to kick in rather than, rather than quickly getting on, oh, I've got to panic because um, your amygdala is going crazy. What if that happens? What if that happens? And if that happens, we'll all, we'll all be killed. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Everyone just breathe out for a moment. Come on, online, breathe out. God's grace is so abundant. But not, there's more. And they're not steak knives. The gift of righteousness, which is kind of a big God word for simply meaning I'm, I'm thumbs up with God. I'm totally in right standing with God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, it says he became sin that, that, that we could become for us that we could become the righteousness of God. It is a gift. It's not something that though you feel like you're a duck on the surface and you're paddling. No, Jesus has done the paddling, friends. So when you know that God's not mad at you and something untoward is looming, you know that he's there with you for the best possible outcome. And once again, you can breathe out on the back end of the abundance of grace, you can breathe out on the back end of the gift of God's righteousness. John wrote another couple of uh, books right at the end of the New Testament. 
in, the, in his epistles. And in, in the first epistle that he wrote, chapter 4, verse 18, here's what we read. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18. I love this. It says, if anyone, verse 15, acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. Goes on and says, and so we know and rely. So we know, that has an intimacy about it, and we rely, we can lean on this love of God. Goes on and says, God is love. Now, I know we can say that almost in a pithy way. God is love. Who is love? God is love. Kind of like in a mantra or a catechism. But listen, friends, God is love. Well, let me, let me read on. It says, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. There's a bit of a kicker here. It says, this, this, this is how love is made complete or perfect. The word perfect is not probably a great translation because it's it's literally we are mature in love. This is how love is complete among us. So we will have boldness on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Then it goes on and says there's no fear in love, but completed love drives out fear because fear has to do with torment or punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect. Wow. There's a bit of a diagnostic there, and it's a pretty challenging one. It says that if I am racked with fear, it says I still haven't got it. The extent of God's love, the measure of God's love, the perfection of God's love for me. You say, how can you say that? I, you make me feel guilty. No, no, that's not my heart here. My heart is to stir you up to the love of God. You see, the Bible goes on to say we love him. So it's not about you going, I've got to love God more. I've got to love God more. I've got to love God more. The more we have an understanding of the immensity of his love for us, the more it releases us into that perfection of his love. And when we understand the abundance of God's grace, the gift of God's righteousness and the perfection of his love. It's like we, we put a tef, Teflon coating over our soul and when our, our um, amygdala is going crazy, fight or flight, it's like, come on, panic! The love of God, the grace of God and the righteousness of God absolutely kicks in. And this all starts, of course, with understanding that his love drove Jesus to the cross in order to pay the price for your sin and for mine. You are totally free and forgiven in Jesus. You might be sitting listening and you go, you know what, this whole God thing, I've been tire kicking a little bit with it. I've been thinking about it. I kind of been experimenting with some spiritual things. Things have been tough this last season. Wherever you find yourself, I want to declare over you right now, God is love over your life. And you access, access that love based upon your decision to express your need of Him. Your decision to say, you know what? I can try and keep doing this myself or I can take on board the finished work that you have accomplished for me. In just a moment's time, I'm going to pray for everyone here in the building. 
Just listen up right now. Everyone online, everyone at our City Hub family. Those of you that say, Michael, can we just talk? I, I, I'm distant from God. I just, I don't, I don't know that I know that I know that His grace is enough for me. I, I, don't, I don't sense that I'm in right standing with God. Hey, listen up right now. God sent His Son Jesus to pay the price for all of your mistakes, all of your sins, all of the things that would separate you from God in order that you might have a beautiful, intimate connection with Him. The greatest fear of, that, that is known to man, the fear of death through separation from God, can be sorted right now.